So true. Every once in a while you stumble across a phrase where you're like, oh, that, that describes me. That's me. Well, I was watching a movie yesterday in theaters. We went to see uh, Good Boys, which was just as funny as you'd imagine. And that clip from the new Joker movie with what the fuck's his name, Hair Lip Dude, came on. And I've always said life is a tragedy to those who feel and a comedy to those who think. Essentially saying don't be super attached to your emotions because otherwise you're going to be spending more time in your head than actually experiencing life. And then when I saw that quote, I thought, shit, that's a better way of putting it than I've always put it. I used to think everything that was fucked up, that, that was just ridiculous and bullshit and things that I should not have had to endure, that I had to endure, used to think that was like tragic. It was a tragedy. But now, you know, as I get older, and increasingly so, I realize it's a comedy. You laugh at shit because it's dumb and unnecessary and bullshit and not supposed to happen. You don't cry about it. Don't be all in your head, right? Hey, I want to point this out before I get started with, you know, the normal segments and everything. The difference between somebody who does a podcast because they want to and they're passionate about it and they do it when they enjoy it, like myself, for example, and the difference between that and someone who does it every single week because they have committed to it, like a Theo Vaughn or a Crystalia or a Bill Burr, the ones that have a guaranteed uh, weekly podcast content every week, even when they don't feel like it, even when they don't have much to say. See, the difference between these two things is I only do a podcast when I feel I have enough shit to say. And because of that, I can control the quality to a certain extent. As I listen and have been listening for, for years to these other podcasts, and I love these guys, but it's really obvious when they're only doing the podcast because, hey, it's Monday, I do the podcast on Mondays, and not because they're feeling it, you know what I mean? There have been times where I've wanted to do a podcast, and then I sat down to do one, and then I realized after 10 minutes that I just don't have it in me. That does happen from time to time. And so what do I do? I don't do a podcast. I put the notes aside, I close out Audacity, shout out to Audacity, and I do it another time. These guys don't have that option. They have committed to a weekly podcast, they have uh, people who sponsor them that count on that, and so even if they're not feeling it, even if they're not feeling funny, even if they're not feeling enthusiastic, they have to do it. And sometimes that shows. And again, as talented and as famous and as awesome as these guys are, I love them, I look up to them, you know, sometimes it's just obvious. Like this last one that I listened to of Theo's, he spent like 20 minutes talking about corn, and he's like, bruh, I feel like corn is magical. And if you were to ask somebody, what do you think is hidden in that corn? They would never guess popcorn, a bunch of awesomeness, you know what I mean? He just, he kind of goes on these tangents, not necessarily rants, but tangents on things that are just dumb, they, that nobody wants to listen to. And unless you love his personality and you're like a real fan of his, you will not sit through a lot of these segments in their podcasts. You have to really like the person and really see it from where they're coming from. Because I try to get my dad to listen to Theo and Chris and Tom and Bill. I try to get to uh, Taylor too. And they're just, they're not feeling it. It's not their thing. And unless they're, they're like on a really funny bit or, or doing something really current, it's tough to get most people to enjoy these uh, sort of acquired tastes in people that you listen to. I can listen to it because I fucking love them. But try showing it to people who aren't real natural fans of theirs and they'll be like, how can you fucking listen to this? He talks about 
how awesome corn on the cob is and popcorn and how corn is magical. Well, to the average person who isn't really a, a, a you know a consistent listener of Theo, you'd think, what a retard, you know? Like, who listens to this? That's so boring. Like, get to the point. Get to something. You know what I mean? And so, because of that, I realize that no matter how popular you get, no matter how awesome you are in one or more person's eyes, there are going to be people who, who it's just not your their flavor, you know? And I, I, I'm assuming that there are people who have listened to this who have gone, well, it's just, it's not for me. I, I'm sure it's for some people, it's not for me. And I understand that because that's, it applies to me. It applies to everybody. So the next time you're listening to a podcast, take note. Are you listening because you like them, or are you listening because you like the content? I myself, as I was explaining to someone the other day, I don't remember who, I don't like to listen to music because I've heard all those fucking songs. New music is trash. Everything that shows up on the top hundred, like, pop list or whatever, like Taylor Swift and Katy Perry, all that, it's garbage. That's mainstream music and it's trash. It's meant for the sheeple. And so... I like all my old music, I like all the stuff that I grew up with, but I don't want to constantly listen to it. I don't need a sing-along in my life, because how can you listen to a song that you like and not sing along, right? That's basically what it turns into. I like singing, even though I'm a shite singer, but I'd rather just learn new things or refresh my memory on things that I already know. I'm, I'm a knowledge guy. I don't need to have these sing-alongs. So I like listening to podcasts, and on the days where they're having their off days, my guys, I still listen because you can pick up a thing or two, even if it's just learning a, a cadence to comedy or more about their personality, because I'm sure that therapists and psychologists and psychiatrists would have a field day with Theo. He's just a weird motherfucker, so he's entertaining. So if I am not your flavor, then uh, carry on, do your thing, you know, listen to your Katy Perry and your whatever else, but if you like learning new shit, if you like laughing and making fun of life and how silly and ridiculous it is, I'm probably for you. And if you are a an avid listener, here we are on volume 39, you already know that. I fucked up last time at the end. I said, I think this is volume 37, but it ended up being volume 38, and I didn't know that until I uploaded it. That makes this volume 39. I can count the public school system, the education system has not failed me. But uh, I thought to myself, Ben, hey, pay attention. Don't say it's number 37 when it's number 38. Pay attention. The same thing I've been telling my stupid-ass retarded cat. I've stepped on her, on her foot, on her tail, on, on her in general, like five times the last couple of days. And I tell, Taylor gets mad because that's her baby, but I'm like, I explain it to her, I'm like, get the fuck out of the way. You're a 20-pound cat, I'm a 225-pound dude. Get the fuck out of the way. In the wilderness, if an elephant is walking towards a lion, and lions are bad motherfuckers, mind you. So the comparison really isn't fair here. I'm, I'm giving the cat more credit than it is due. But when an elephant is marching, the elephant doesn't go around the lion. You know, if it's a pack, maybe, because he doesn't want to get eaten alive. But the elephant walks how he fucking wants to walk. And that is a good metaphor, a good analogy for life. If I'm walking in the hallway and the cat walks right in front of me when I'm walking and gets stepped on, that's not my fault. The cat's a retard. What the fuck are you doing? In the animal kingdom, you would never do this. Or if, like I said, if an ele elephant is walking linearly and there's like a, a lion or a hyena or something, they get the fuck out of the way because they understand gravity, physics, mass. They go, oh, that thing's going to hurt me. I should move. My cat doesn't get that. And oftentimes my cat will walk right in fuck in front of me and it drives me nuts. I hate it. I just want to kick her. But then I realize I can't do that because I'm not an animal beater. 
Speaking of that, we have a neighbor two blocks away. They keep their dogs tied to a tree 24-7. It doesn't matter if it's rain or shine, morning, day, or night. Their dogs are tied to a tree with about a 15-foot lead. There's no doghouse out there. There's just a food dish and a water dish. And they're, they're tied out there 24-7. I've never not seen them on the leash. And it's really sad. Hey, if you're going to have a dog, take care of it. Love it. Make it enjoy life. Because dogs are awesome and they're loyal and they love you and they would do anything for you. My 10-pound chihuahua, if there was a bear that somehow got in the house and tried to attack me, he doesn't know really that he doesn't have a chance against a bear because dogs think that they're tough. I don't know if they can really understand the concept of, oh, that bear takes shits bigger than me, my chihuahua, but I, I know for a fact he would do his best to protect me. Dogs fucking love you. You're their number one. Take care of them. If the, if the idea of having a dog to you is keeping them tied up forever, they have no escape from the mosquitoes or the elements, they don't get to experience anything except for a 10-foot, 15-foot circumference around this tree, if that's your idea of having a dog, don't have a dog. I wish there were no rules. I would go beat the shit out of that owner and tie him to a tree with cuffs and just for a month, just a cool month, no big deal, I'd like to keep him tied to a tree. I'll give him all the food and water he wants. I'll get some takeout, but he cannot leave that spot. I want him to know what it's like. It's not cool. Taylor and I have joked about how we want to go steal those dogs. It's super fucked up. I don't know. As I was walking toward the uh, liquor store, yeah, I went to the liquor store. I had to get some wine. I've kind of decided I like wine recently because I was going to quit drinking, and I did. I quit drinking pretty much everything because all I would drink is like Captain or gin, and I realized that with my style of drinking, it's just not a good idea to be a drinker, so I quit, and I haven't had a hard alcohol for like two or three weeks. I don't know, but then I was like, hey, I remember watching Game of Thrones. They drank wine on there. They always looked like they were having a good time, although my good time on wine is not anything like theirs. They get drunk and fuck prostitutes. That was the kind of good time they were having, or they have a, like a fun fight, like a sparring match. I uh, don't do that. I just have a good time and whatnot. But I, I like wine. Wine is the shit. If you think that you're an avid drinker and, oh, I can drink 12 beers in a night, or I can pound shots and I'm fine. If you think that you can drink somebody under the table, drink like five glasses of wine. And I don't mean one of those bitch-ass glasses of wine where they fill up like an actual wine glass one-fifth of the way. That's not a glass of wine. I'm talking about grab one of your cups out of your cupboard in the kitchen that holds like 18 ounces of fluid. Fill that fucker up. That's one glass of wine. That's a real glass, not a pussy-ass glass. And drink about four or five of those. It took me two days to recover from the last time I did that. Mind you, I did get a lot of sun and sunburnt that day, and I probably wasn't super hydrated, but I felt like I got hit by a truck. Wine hits hard. It's Don't underestimate wine. Like You might think that's a bitch way to drink, but a bitch way to drink is to drink like those bitch beers where it's like a fuzzy navel or, you know, whatever those things are, those fruity beers. You drink about six of them and you had so much sugar you feel sick but you don't feel drunk. Those kind? Yeah. Wine is the shit. I fucking love wine now. I mean, I've had it before, but just recently I've come to like it. Anyway, I was walking to the, the liquor store to get a box of wine because there's 40 glasses of, real glasses of wine in a box and it's only 20 bucks so you can drink basically for free. Um, and I saw a sign that said, apply now at www.buttsex.com or whatever. It was like a job site. And I thought to myself, 
it's almost been two years that I've been out of the game from working, and I miss, I don't miss working, working sucks. When you're at work, you want to be home, right? And you feel that way until you go a year or two, almost two years, without a job. And I, I miss more so being a part of the human race. I'll put it to you that way. It's hard to explain because I had never experienced it before. But I go in spurts, in segments of my life where I, you know, like early on I was like, I can't wait to get back to my job because I liked my job. I drove truck. I listened to podcasts and I, I drove and I got paid pretty well, you know, for the area. And then after like six months, I was like, oh shit, I'm not getting any better. I'm still in constant pain. And then I was like, what can I do? What can I do? Well, really sitting a long time or standing still a long time makes it worse than anything. I'd rather carry heavy stuff around all day because that's less of a problem to me because I, I have strength. I just don't have flexibility and I have some shit going on down there where if I sit too long or I stand too long, it just, I pay for it for like the whole day and it hurts on a level that I can't explain to you. It's not like a bruise. It's not like a cut. It's like you have some nerves in your spine and you know how your spine does that thing where it goes all over your body? That thing? Yeah, uh, your nervous system. It's like you can't explain like nerve pain unless you experience it. Sciatica or a bulging disc or in my case herniated discs or whatever. And then I think to myself, well fuck, I, I can't do shit. I, I'd, I'd like to have like a mail route where I get to walk everywhere and stay moving and it's kind of light work. But I've applied at two different post offices, never heard back. Most jobs require you to be getting up and getting down and bending over a lot and sitting a long time or standing still a long time. I can't do that shit. It's such a weird uh, restriction. Like when you're on, uh, say you get injured or you have whatever, and you're on restriction, my restrictions are weird. Can't stand still a long time, can't sit still a long time. Well, that cuts out fucking 80% of jobs. And then like I, when I worked at Walmart for like six months, I stocked shelves. There is no fucking way I could get down to my knees fill up a shelf full of heavy cans and jars and shit, get back up and do that for eight hours. I'll tell you right now, if that was my only option, I'll commit suicide. I will. I cannot deal with that pain. <laughs> Fuck, man. There are certain things that are worse than death, and that is one of them. Being in constant pain as it is. And I go in spurts, like I said. Like, sometimes I'll go, Fuck it. I accept the fact that I just can't do anything anymore. Right? Whether that means exercising, like, as far as lifting weights, it used to be an actual passion of mine. I was bench pressing 330 pounds by the time I was 17 years old. That's, most grown men never get to that point, let alone some high school kid, right? And now I can do like arm stuff and shoulder stuff and fancy bicep, tricep stuff, but I can't do any squats, anything that requires remotely my lower body. Um, when I try to do sit-ups and push-ups, the front of my stomach fills up with air and it looks like I have a softball under my skin, that's because I've had three hernia surgeries and a mesh doesn't fully repair those. So when I try to do anything that requires stress on my core, my stomach fills up with air, but not like in my stomach, it's just under the skin because I had a hernia there. If you don't know what a hernia is, well, go ahead and look that up. And I've had three of those repairs, umbilical, ventral wall twice, or no, the other way around, umbilical twice, ventral wall once. And it just, it sucks. So I go in phases. I'll go, fuck it. I can't do anything. I'm a 90-year-old man trapped in a 30-year-old man's body, and life sucks. Whatever. And then I'll have days where, obviously, it's not as bad as it usually is. Most days, I, I fucking hate life physically. And mentally, I, I deal with the depression quite well. I can, I can handle that because, like I said, I look at life as a comedy, not as a tragedy. 
I count my blessings. I, I, I mostly focus on the things that I'm thankful for, not really the things that I fucking hate in life. But physically, you can't escape that. It doesn't matter how mentally tough you are. Mental toughness can get you out of, you know, feeling sad or angry and whatnot. But mental toughness doesn't really get you out of chronic back pain. That's just always there. It just feels like it's burning and warm and inflamed. It's raised. Like the lower, if you were to look at my, like above my right butt cheek, it's higher, it's raised than on the left side. That is a clear sign of trauma, injury, uh, pain. It's raised, it's warm, and it never stops. I ice every day, I stretch every day, and although that kinda helps like 10%, like I really notice it if I don't do the stretching and the icing, it's just always there. And so then I'll think, I, yeah, you know, I, fuck it, I can't do anything, I'm trapped like this forever. But on some days, it's not as bad, and I'll go, wait, I can, I can do stuff, you know? Fuck, I could, I could do that job, or I could go lift weights today. And then you actually try to do something physical, and you go, oh wait, I betrayed a fatal flaw, hubris. I overestimated myself. You'll be reminded and humbled that, oh wait, you can't do that shit. That's what that's like. I fucking hate it. I've delayed the intro long enough, so let's just get into this. Today's word of the day is sedulous. It means being diligent in application or pursuit of said thing. And today's thing is a podcast. I remain ever sedulous in my podcasts. I, it says uh, definition two, involving or being accomplished with careful perseverance. Perseverance, not perseverance. I hate when people fuck words up, even though I sometimes do that too. Not the pot calling the kettle black. Anyway, yeah, I, I will do my best to remain sedulous in these podcasts so that they can be either enlightening or funny or just eye-opening or maybe a little bit of everything. Shannon told me that all of my podcasts are basically one-hour stand-up sets, and I don't know, at least half of them are, are half of each podcast is, is probably comedic in nature. The other half probably more like I'm trying to fill you in with information because I'm not black and I can't fill you up with dick, so doing the white thing, right? Um, today is, what the fuck is today? It is August 19th. It is a Monday. It is 2019. The top story for today, the first race is held at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. I don't give a fuck about racing. I don't give a fuck about NASCAR. I've never been into that. It's not my thing. Uh, hey, I think Ford's gonna win today. They're gonna drive in circles faster than your stupid gay Chevy. And then Chevy is like, nah, man, Chevy driver is way better than Ford driver because he doesn't take dick in the butt. <laughs> That's my impression of the stereotypical NASCAR driver. Well, I think Dodge does. American made. You know, it's just, it's, if you want to watch a car drive in circle, hey, more power to you. That's just not my thing. The only fun part about NASCAR, you know, shows is the car wrecks. And a lot of people only, you know, admittedly do watch it just for that. I can't watch hockey unless they get in a fight. I can't watch football unless it's playoff football. You know, there are just certain things where you can only watch it if, insert here. And for NASCAR, I don't want to watch cars drive in a circle. I've never wanted to drive cars in a circle. I've had the opportunity. I've owned cars before. I've never taken the time where for an hour or two I just drove in circles. That lap I got a little quicker than the previous lap. I'm on par to fucking set the record. You know, that's not my thing. Enjoy that. That's great. It's not my thing. What do we want to talk about today? Well, let's talk about a few things. Nobody just goes from caring to not caring. Okay? Sounds simple enough. Let me elaborate. 
you've all, we've all met people who we feel like their give a fuck is broken and they just don't care anymore. That doesn't just happen overnight. That's a process in life as life slowly humbles you and beats you down. Call it whatever you will. First you tell yourself, well, I don't really care what people think or I don't really care if this happens or that happens, but really you do. Because if you didn't care at all, you'd fucking kill yourself. You'd be over this life, yada yada. A lot of people like to be posers and pretend that they don't care, whether it's socially, like I don't care what people think of me, yet you're constantly hoping for likes and approval in various forms on social media and you want people to like you. You fucking care, right? The first step of not caring is telling yourself that you don't care, but you really do. And most of the time it's obvious. Like you'll see someone who goes, I don't care, and you know they do. Then life continues on for a little bit. And then you say, well, I don't care about this or that. But you only do a little bit, right? For the most part, you don't care, but then you kind of do sometimes. And then you get to a point where you say you don't care. And you don't care. You're telling the truth this time because life has beat you down to the point where, wow, you really don't care anymore. This person's give a fuck is actually broken, but there is room for redemption. If something happened, something particular in your life, something specific, it could bring you back from the dead and bring you back to caring. Say you're a, a dude and you fucking hate life and you've just given up and you don't care anymore. But then you have a kid and you go, oh, I'm not living for me anymore. I'm living for my son. I care now. It can bring you back, right? There are levels to this. And then the final stage is you truly just do not care. You are fully checked out. Nothing can bring you back. You're, you're, you're no longer part of the human, uh, what's the word? I feel like there's an energy inside of every human. And once that is depleted, 0% battery, and you're fully checked out, you're, you're just gone, like the lights are on but nobody's home, you're just going through the motions, that's the final stage to not caring. And I have a couple family members who are at that stage. I've watched them progress through the stages, and I've watched life beat them down. They've gotten to the point where they truly don't care anymore. They don't care so much that they don't even say, I don't care. They don't say those words because they just don't care. It's, it's sad, but I, I understand it, you know? I'm, I'm probably somewhere in the middle. I think uh, for the most part I don't give a fuck, but I could be redeemed, you know? Retribution. Something could happen in my life. I could have a child. I could acquire, insert here, you know, something could change where it could bring me back. There are still some things that in life that I enjoy. But for the most part, yeah, I, I definitely don't give a fuck. And that's fine. Be you, bruh. So I just wanted to point that out, that if you meet somebody and they're, you know, try to figure out where they're at on the care scale. That's not something people think about a lot unless you've had a friend or a family member who's really struggling with life. Try to figure out where they're at. Empathize. Don't sympathize, right? I do th yeah, I, I do think we have. We for sure have covered abortion in a quadcast, but I've never talked about it. And so I will open by saying, I am neutral. I am neutral because morally I think it's fucked up and it's murder. Obviously. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand that abortion is murder. But I'm not fully against it, and I'm not fully for it, and here's why. I'm, I like to play Switzerland not because, you know, I want to, but that's just where I fall on most debates. And this one's controversial, to say the least. Why am I against it? it? It's murder. It's fucking murder. It's wrong. Why am I for it? 
we have a massive population problem. And I think anything that can happen to help with the population problem helps contribute to solving the population problem. And I live in a small town. I can't fucking fathom living in a big city like LA where it's bumper to bumper and it takes you 40 minutes to go six miles. I would never live that way. I just wouldn't. I don't care how much cool shit, how many attractive people are in Hollywood or LA or whatever. I will not live that way. I refuse. You can walk from point A to point B faster than you can drive through that smog-infested fucking giant glory hole of a city. You know, fuck that. So, because of that, I'm on the fence. I won't... I guess it just depends for me why you got the abortion. Now, if you're using abortion as a contraceptive, that's terrible. That's lazy. That's irresponsible. Hey, ladies... You say you're... This is what they like to throw out a lot. I'm not ready for a kid. Oh, really? You didn't seem to not be ready when you had dudes dumping loads in you. Hey, close your legs. Close them. Once in a while, try it. It's fun. Close your legs. Hey, condoms don't feel great, but... You know what else doesn't feel great? You know what else doesn't feel great? Go into a place to get some things shoved in you and getting that fetus all tore apart. Theo would call that the dark arts, I'm pretty sure. Hey, birth control's free. If your excuse is you can't afford birth control, there are ways around that. Planned Parenthood. Try it out. Try it out. Hey, I know out doesn't feel good. I know. I'm not telling you I know because I understand or I empathize. I'm telling you because I've been there. Pulling out doesn't feel good. But guess what? You don't want a baby? Fucking pull out. Fucking wear a condom. Fucking close your legs. I'm not saying abstain from sex. I'm just saying be more responsible about it. You don't want a kid? Don't crust a nut inside of her vagina. Because got a pretty good chance of having a kid. Unless she's on birth control. You know. And I won't get into the religious aspect of it. But religiously, like if you were to follow the Bible, you're not supposed to spill your seed. You're not supposed to masturbate. There's actually a Bible verse that says it is better for your seed to fall into the lap of a whore. Basically saying it's better for you to let go of your nut all over a prostitute or in a prostitute than it is for it to be spilled. It's essentially saying be fruitful, multiply, come in girls, make babies. Uh, The Bible wants you to have kids, but we're not talking about the Bible. We're talking about abortion. If you're using it as a contraceptive, that's shitty of you because there's so many other options that you can do. And the thing about the the pro-choice people, the people who are for abortion, I will I will attack both sides. I will shit on you both equally because I am neutral. Here's what they like to say, the pro-choice people. They like to say, my body, my choice. That is very easily uh, debunked. I will show you a chart, a drawing, a graph. It is a stick figure woman with a big belly and there is another body inside of it. There are two bodies in this picture. One body has a body inside of it, but that doesn't mean that there's not two bodies. Okay? If you're going to use the argument, my body, my choice, well, you're talking about your body, sure, but there's a whole other body in there. That body in there is not your body, therefore it is not your choice. Therefore, argument is invalid. I'm okay with legit arguments, I'm okay with valid arguments, but that's not a valid argument. You can't say my body, my choice, because there are two bodies here. And then some people like to say, oh, well, abortion 
in the first or second or third trimester, whatever, isn't a human yet. They, the, the phrase they like to throw out is, it's a cluster of cells. It's a, a fetus. It's barely got a heartbeat. It, it's not conscious. It's, it doesn't even know that it's alive yet. There's, there's all these like fucking buzz phrases that they like to use. And they are all also, also easily debunked. Okay? Um, if you chop down an adult tree, you know what you've done? You've chopped down one tree. You have removed one tree. If you chop down a teenage tree, you've chopped down one tree. If you chop down a preteen or a baby or a toddler tree, you have chopped down one tree. You've removed one tree from the equation. Stay with me here. This is not super difficult. Now, uh, a fetus. That's very comparable to, say, a sapling. A sapling still needs its uh, potting soil. It still needs help before it can be on its own, much like a baby inside of a womb. Very similar. That's fair. Grant me that. So if you chop down a sapling, what happened? You removed one fucking tree. It doesn't matter what phase or what stage you remove a tree. The math is the same. Subtract one. Ding! You fucking killed a tree. You removed a tree. Oh, but it was a sapling. It wasn't even out on its own yet. It still needed its pot and its potting soil. I don't care. You fucking removed one tree. So there's that argument. And for the people who say, I'm not going to pick on just one side here because I'm neutral. I have to pick on both sides evenly. For the people who say uh, they're not pro-choice, they're pro-life. Okay. Well, since a good percentage of people who even grow up in good atmospheres and families turn out shitty. That percentage increases monumentally when people grow up in shitty broken homes, or people who have children who don't want children, or who dislike children. They're going to be shitty parents because there's no passion there, there's no love, I didn't want you in the first place. People who don't want to have kids and have kids, it doesn't mean they, they there's no redemption there, they can't be good parents, it just means Oftentimes, that wasn't their first priority, and it's going to continue that way. And because of that, they are shitty parents. They're not there for their children. And because of that, the children are neglected, or often abused, or call it what you will. They grow up to be shitty people, broken people, uh, child molesters, rapists, murderers. Love is, is like a... It's a very palpable thing inside of a home. And when a child does not feel love, to a degree, it makes the child much more susceptible to anger, uh, bouts of violence, things like that. And so what I would say to the pro-life people is, these people who are going to be shitty parents, who don't want kids, who don't like kids, who won't take care of kids, why would you rather have them have a child and raise a shitty little child that isn't respectful and isn't taken care of and loved than just having an abortion? You can, you can kill two birds with one stone, uh, no pun intended, you can kill two birds with one stone by eliminating shitty parents who don't deserve to have children. Look at it that way, because if children are a blessing, those of you who are parents will know this, if you eliminate the shitty parents and you take care of the population problem, I can't see why that's a bad thing. And that's why I'm neutral. Because I can see both sides. It basically, as long as you don't use birth control as a contraceptive, you're not a piece of shit. That's all there is to it. There's the pill, there's the shot, there's that little thing that looks like a T that you stick in your vagina that somehow stops salty loads from saping into the vagina. I'm not sure how that works, but it, it does its thing, apparently like 95% of the time. 
Uh, there are ways around it. There's condoms. There's don't let every guy that you meet come in you. There's just so many ways to not have children. I have probably had sex 5,000 times. Zero kids. Most of the time, no condom. Probably used maybe 50 condoms in my life. No kids. Pull out. Birth control. Uh, don't bust nuts in them if you don't want kids. There are ways around this. I'm living proof, people. Believe me. I wouldn't tell you this if it wasn't the truth, because this podcast is all about reality. And I know people who are shitty parents. I'm going to pick on one girl in particular, because she used to be an acquaintance of mine, and she no longer is. She basically just stopped talking to our group. Uh, I'm not even going to give you the first name, because that's not important, and I definitely don't want this getting back to her. But she has a child. The only time she even has her child is, like, once a week. Like, on, on, like, a Saturday, she'll go visit her at grandparents' house because the grandparents are basically raising her because they realize that she's a shitty single mom who gets cummed in all the time and just gets drunk every weekend. She's an alcoholic. She doesn't take care of her kid. Now, if you were to look at her social media, you'd see a different story. You'd see her taking pictures with her kid and the caption's like, oh, I fucking love this kid. And that's what she's portraying to people. But the reality is... She sees her kid maybe once a week. Otherwise, she has all but given up all rights to her mom and dad, who are the kid's grandparents, to take care of them because she is not willing to put in the time. She's not willing to give up her youth. She's in her like late 20s. She's not done getting cummed in, getting drunk, partying, doing acid. She's doing that thing that most people would expect to give up when having a kid. And that's exactly my point. I cannot guarantee this kid's going to grow up shitty, but I can guarantee that the kid is not getting the best chance in life because the kid's dad is not in the picture, the kid's mom barely gets to see the mom and is going to only know what it's like to be raised by grandma and grandpa. Which, if you have a loving grandma and grandpa or mom and dad to the kid, that's great. But for the most part, you it shouldn't be that way. That's not how homes, and I use that word instead of houses, are meant to be for children. You're supposed to have like a, a, a family feeling. There's a feeling that you get when you go to a a family's house, a family's home, that it's it's unmistakable. Go to a a house where the parents don't get along, they're fucking divorced, they, they despise each other, but for some reason they still live together. The children can sense that, and you're nuts if you don't think that's the case. You were a kid once, you understand all the things that you picked up on that people might not have given you credit for. Children are smart. They might not always be watching, but they're fucking always listening. They hear the words you say. And I'm not talking about a six-month-old. They don't fucking know. They shit their pants every day. I'm talking about, like, uh, I don't know, fucking five-plus. Kids pick up on things. And if you don't think that a family feeling and, and that love is going to affect them in their later years, well, you haven't been listening the last 30 fucking nine podcasts. My upbringing was terrible on both ends, and I still think about it every day. So it does affect people, and because of that, let's close the abortion topic here. I'm not fully for it, and I'm not fully against it. I am Switzerland. I, I like using that reference because in World War II, Switzerland vowed to remain neutral. They did not take sides with any parties. And so I am Switzerland on this debate. I, I won't be full for it, and I won't be against it. I will just say, for me, abortion, I am neutral, but I understand both sides. I get it. I would really appreciate if there was less traffic and less stoplights and all that. And the more abortions we have, the better for that. Right? And if you're going to make arguments for or against abortion, just like anything else, they have to make sense. My body, my choice. Okay, well, what about that other body there in that picture? It's not your body. 
Right, cool. So stop saying that. Or, you know, I'm not going to go through it again, but you get the idea. Moving on. Um, there is a quote from Al Bundy that I will give you, and I like to give Bundyisms once in a while from Married with Children, the best show in the world. He said, sarcastically, of course, go ahead, take it all. I've had too much for too long. He was being sarcastic. He has a shitty job. He's a women's shoe salesman in a mall, constantly has to deal with uh, customers berating him, fat women that he doesn't like berating him. His life sucks, yada yada. And then somebody said, I'm going to sue you. And he jokingly said, go ahead, take it all. I've had too much for too long. And he knows that he's had jack shit his whole life. <laughs> so he's like, go ahead, take it. What, what are you going to do, hurt me? You know, take my old couch. That's his, like, prized possession. And I, I know it was meant to be, like, satire and funny and a joke. But if you look at life that way, as I've mentioned in previous podcasts, I really feel like that will take you places. Not you know, because you're determined and goal-oriented and stuff. I mean, like, emotionally, it will take you places. If you look at it, at it like, go ahead, take what I've got, you know? I've already dealt with more than what you would be dishing out to me if you took what little I have. That kind of gives you a coat of armor, an invisible plus ten to your, your thick skin, you know? Look at life like that. And in the previous podcasts, I've talked about how you are to live life like you're in the world but not of it and you know I'm not going to go through all that again if you want to hear more about that go back to previous podcasts but it's definitely true so uh, I went to Gordman's with Taylor uh, last week in Fargo and uh, she went to the girl side I went to the boy side because I'm not a cuck I'm not a beta I'm not a gamma I go off on my own I refuse to be that guy who follows a girl around while she shops and goes does this make me look pretty I'm not that guy. I don't give a fuck. Go do your girl stuff. Go shop around. And it's mostly a clothing store, but they kind of have like like crafts and goods and paintings and all sorts of bullshit. So I went around to that side. And I saw two things that I have to tell you a story about. Number one, I saw something that confused my brain to no end. And it still confuses me. It's like something you'd see in your nightmare. I saw two fully Asian people. They were clearly a couple. They were speaking Spanish. My brain could not wrap my mind around that. Now, I'm not talking about those half-Latino, half-Cuban-Asian-Filipino-Asians. Like, I mean, like, straight, sleepy-eyed Japanese-Asians. 100% Oriental, you know? And they were speaking Mexican Spanish. Imagine that. I've never seen that in my life, and I don't know how the fuck that happened. Because they looked like they were fresh off the fishing boat. They looked like they just got off of a boat from Japan and they went right into the store. They were wearing like flower, she had like a flower design dress on. She looked like she owned a Chinese restaurant. And then she's like, Tengo algo grande. And she just, she spoke full burrito taco. And it, I don't know. I stood there for a second and I like scratched my head and I'm sure I had a befuddled look on my face. I was like, what? How does that happen? It's kind of like when you see like a, a straight up J Jamaican, like African looking dude. He's got like a wide nose, big lips, giant penis, and small calves. And then he speaks like Japanese. You'd be like, what? Is that your only language? What? Dro I don't know. Drove me nuts. The other thing that I saw at Gordman's was I was walking down an aisle and I saw one of the cuter chicks I've seen in some time. She was very pretty. Petite, blonde, wearing like a form fitting dress, very cute. And I was like, damn, she's probably with some giant black guy. 
because that's where my mind goes. When I see an attractive girl, I think she's either with a rich guy or she's with a guy that has a huge dick. Or if God loved the guy enough, she's with a rich guy who has a huge dick. If you're lucky enough to get that roll of the dice, then more power to you. God bless you. Literally, he blessed you. So I saw this girl and I thought, wow, well, she's got to be with a millionaire or a guy that has a huge dick because she's not going to be with some average Joe looking like that, right? That's how my mind works. I'm very judgmental, right? And then I walked a little further and I saw this big muscular guy wearing like a tight shirt and he was wearing really short shorts, clearly no underwear because I saw the outline of his dong and he was walking down the aisle and as he was walking, his dick was one of the biggest dicks I've ever seen. It was huge and he wasn't wearing underwear and why would you? I would wear the same shit if I had a dong like that. And it was bouncing off of his fucking thighs as he was walking, like left, right, left, and it was just going boom, 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 like bouncing all over the place. It looked like he had a slinky in his pants and every time he walked, it flopped and I know that he knows that that's what's going on. You can't not notice that, when, especially when it's your own. Like. There's got to be a reason he wasn't wearing tidy whities to hold that fucker down. It was just like, boom, boom. And on top of that, he was very muscular. And I thought to myself, wow, like that's a pretty expensive shirt he's wearing. He's got to have money too. And I said, I bet you that's that one chick's guy. It fucking has to be. Because in my head, like a girl who looks like that isn't going to be with some fat fucking dork, you know? Girls like that reserve the right to be with guys like that. So I, I thought... One, I gotta get another look at this fucking hago, so I gotta see that again because I like had to rub my eyes and I'm like trying to like blink it away. Like maybe my eyes are fuzzy or something. I was like, there's no way that was his dong. He's definitely got a squirrel in his pants. Why is he having a squirrel in his pants in this store? You can't bring pets in here. So I walked around and I came back and I saw him again and I had to make it look like I wasn't staring. So I did that thing where you just stand awkwardly facing 1 p.m but your eyes are looking at 10 p.m. if you're on the clock, you know? And I'm just kind of like looking out of the corner of my eye and I'm just watching that thing bounce as he walks. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ, dude, what the fuck? Like some people just have all the luck. He's built like an ape, just jacked, you know, yoked. And he's got a, a dong that looks like a 33.8 fluid ounce ice mountain water bottle and it's just bouncing. And sure enough, he walked right up to that hot chick and he put his arm on her and he was talking to her and I was like, okay, fucking knew it. So that's that. I'm a people watcher. I notice these things. <laughs> it's not fair, but it's life, right? <sighs> what is considered nudity? The lines are blurring. Used to be, if you showed a little bit of cleavage, you were promiscuous and provocative. Now, if you show a little bit of cleavage, you're a prude. Girls nowadays are like, look at my fucking pussy. They take pictures of their vaginas. Camel toe pulled up, they take pictures of their boobs, of their asses. Some women just use body paint or sand if they're at the beach. They're basically naked. The lines are blurring. No longer is it nudity. Now if you have like a sticker, like a band-aid over your nipple, but nothing else on, you're not naked, you're covered up. Got band-aids on your nipples. Girls are becoming more and more whorish. But one thing I do like about girls is that they are super nice, even if it means being dishonest. And I hate dishonesty, but here's an exception to the rule. Most girls are dishonest about what they want in a guy, and I believe it is because most guys are average and they don't want to hurt your feelings, dude. Here's an example. Every girl that I've been with, all of them, the good ones and the cunty one, 
they've all said the same shit because I have these talks with them, you know, pillow talk or whatever. You talk, you just, you get to know the person when you're with them for a certain amount of time. Uh, I will say things like, do you like big dicks? And all of them are like, I don't want a huge dick. Ow, I value the ability to walk. And ow, why would you want something up in your lungs or up in your kidneys? They all have like various answers that essentially give the same. Nah, I'm not into big dicks. Now, of course they are. Every girl's into big dicks and there are two kinds of girls. Girls who admit that they are and girls who lie. They're all into big dicks. They just are, even if it's subconsciously. You want a giant hog and you just won't admit it to your average dicked boyfriend. And that's fair. I appreciate, I hate that you're lying to me, but I appreciate that you're lying to me because you're protecting my feelings. I do the same for you. When you ask me if that dress makes you look good, yeah, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But you know what? I'm always going to tell you that it does. Because we lie to protect each other's feelings. That's what we do. I appreciate that. I appreciate the hell out of you women, especially you women who like to give blowies. You're great. Stay you. Another thing that women like to uh, protect your feelings and lie about is, um, do you like guys who are rich? I don't care if a guy has lots of money. That's not what love is about. Really? Be honest with me. I would love it if you had more money, yes. Yeah, I fucking thought so. But girls will never admit that to you. They, they value your feelings and your opinion over just being honest because they're like, yeah, of course I'd like more money. Of course I wish you had a bigger dick. But I'm not going to tell you that. No, honey. You're, you're perfect just the way you are. And the, the one that I pay the most attention to is physique because I'm conscious of my own. And I, I know that if I was a girl, I would want a guy who's tall, dark, handsome, muscular, big dick, lots of money. I, I already know what kind of guy I would want. But all fucking four of my girlfriends, even the cunty one, said, I'm not into muscle. Ew, a six pack? Ugh, not for me. Girls are like, that, and you can ask most girls if they want a guy who's built like Thor, like Chris Hemsworth, or if you want like an average guy. And there are articles online that are like, dad bods are the new thing. Dad bods are in. You know why? Because women are lying. No, they don't want a dad bod. They take and they tolerate a dad bod. If you were to spend a year in the gym, like you were to freeze time, and you just worked out for a year and then unfroze time again, and you were jacked, she would be all over you. She would be juicing an orange on your pecs and drinking the orange juice drippings off of your six pack. That's what they fucking want. Girls who say they don't like muscles, it's kind of like the girls who say they don't like big dicks. There are two kinds. There are girls who admit that they like muscles on a guy, and I'm not talking bodybuilder muscles where you're 450 pounds and you're like a world's strongest man and you look like a giant boulder with skin around it. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just like muscular fit dudes. There are two kinds of girls. Girls who are honest and say that they like muscles and fitness and, and whatnot, even if it's just from a mating biology perspective, even if it's not like the most sightly thing. They, they fucking want that, they do. And then there are liars, girls who go, no, no, I like it that your boobs are bigger than mine, honey. I like it that you don't have pecs. I like it that you don't have a six pack, but you have a keg and, and you have a, a love handles. I fucking love tugging on those when you bang me because it reminds me of how gross and out of shape and sweaty you are when you're on top of me. No, that's just not the case. Women, I appreciate that you lie, I, but it's kind of like being on the fence. I'm, I'm neutral again. I really wish you'd be honest with me but I kind of like it when you say, nah, Ben, your body's perfect the way it is. Nah, Ben, your dick is perfect. Nice and smooth. I like that. But I also, I'm a realist, you know? 
I realize that you're just bullshitting me. The same way that I am bullshitting you when I tell you that your body is perfect. When I tell you that I don't wish you had bigger tits or whatever else, a tighter vagina, you know? Like, that's kind of one thing that we do for each other. We, it's like an unspoken rule. You protect your significant other's feelings. Honey, do you wish I had a big dick, lots of money, and a nice body? No, come on. Pff, me? Pff, no, I like you the way you are. Thanks, babe. You too. And then you both wink at each other. Yeah, that's life, right? I don't know. Maybe I'm full of shit, but I feel like that's just how it is. Why do people still argue and fight after a breakup? Why? I thought all of the arguing led up to the breakup. You want to know how you can tell how two people, that if two people are terrible with communication? And communication is certainly a skill. I'm not talking about just like public speaking. I mean communication, whether you're recording a podcast and how well you're able to get your ideas out into people's brains so that they understand it. I'm talking about friends, family, relationships. Communication comes in many forms. It's very evident when people break up and continue to argue about stuff that they're bad at communication within the relationship, not necessarily outside of it, but within the confines of said relationship, you're clearly bad at communicating to your significant other slash ex-significant other because it continued after the breakup. You know what a breakup is? A breakup is like a death. It's supposed to be final. It's supposed to be the end. Uh, when Cuntface and I broke up after all of our stuff was returned to its owner, never talked to her again. Never once. She reached out a couple of times, which means she doesn't get the idea of a breakup. She tried to reach out. She told my mom and my sister that I should call her. I had her blocked on everything. I blocked her number, her Facebook, her Snapchat. She was trying to reach out. Clearly didn't get the idea of a breakup, but I understand the concept just fine. A breakup. I'm done with you. As long as I don't have a child with you, there's no more reason for me to talk to you. We gave it our shot. We failed. It's over. That's it. The couples who break up and then continue to go, well, I didn't like when you treated me this way, or I didn't like when you did this. It's like, well, are you still in a relationship? Sure sounds like it. You're fighting like you're in a relationship. You know what fighting is? Fighting is a collision of pride, mine versus hers, or if you're gay, mine versus his, whatever. That That's what fighting is. And there's some give and some take. But mostly you're fighting because you want to be together. You're fighting because you want to resolve the argument and go, okay, I love you, let's have makeup sex. That's the goal of an argument. The goal of an argument isn't to break up. That's not the point of an argument. Because if that was the case, you'd be fighting to get out of a relationship, not to get them to see your way so that they'll stay in the relationship. Point being, when two people are constantly fighting and then they break up and then they continue to fight, and we all know people like this, you're bad at communicating. Because if you were good at it, you would still be in the relationship, and fights are normal, fights happen. I'm not saying that they don't. But you'd still be in the relationship. Instead of breaking up and then going, well, I know we're broken up, but let's keep fighting like we were in a relationship. What are you fighting for? You're stressing yourself out for no reason. When a relationship is over, it's fucking over. It's either over or it's not. There is no in-between. If that's the case, if you think that you can break up, get back together, break up, get back together, break up, get back together, like, then what's the point of breaking up? Then you're not giving the word breakup its due diligence, its credit. The word male means something. The word female means something. The word breakup means something. Now, if we blur these lines, then we end up with 
transsexuals. Uh, there's 76 genders, you bigot. Just because I'm a man and I have a penis doesn't mean I can't be a beautiful woman. That's how you end up with that shit. Words fucking mean something. And when we do not allow these words to maintain and hold their meaning, we end up with, uh, I love my stepbrother as a family member and he's a good guy. But him and his girlfriend fucking break up and get back together and break up and get back together. One minute they hate each other and they're fighting. The next minute they love each other and it's like, it drives me fucking nuts. I'm like, are you 13 years old? If you break up, you fucking break up. Exception to this rule, you get one. You get one time. My dad and my stepmom divorced. They decided to get back together. They got married again after an official divorce. They are still married to this day. You get one because mistakes happen. You can change your mind. But if you go, lover, hater, lover, hater, lover, hater, it's like, you gotta fucking make up your mind. And you too, ladies, you're not any better at this. I won't just pick on the guys. It drives me fucking nuts. What's a breakup? You broke up? Then break up. Don't talk to each other anymore unless you have kids and you have to, you know, maintain that. Otherwise, stop. What are you doing? It drives me nuts. It's like, prison. Uh, you are sentenced to five years. But, you know, it's been four days and you look sad. Maybe I could let you out. Oh, really? What happened to five years? Words should fucking mean something, and it drives me nuts if you do not let them mean something. That's like um, a while back when a couple of my buddies had a disagreement about a girl. Uh, one buddy of mine said, hey, we fucking had an agreement. I brought it out, I put it on the table, he said, yeah, go for it. And now he's trying to say, nah, I don't like this anymore. Fuck that. We had a deal, right? Deals mean something. The principle of it. And he stuck to that. He's, he's like, yeah, we're fucking together because you said we could be, so you can't take that back. I agree. A deal's a deal. A word is a word. So stop blurring lines. Stop saying, oh, yeah, sometimes I'm a girl and sometimes I'm a... Shut the fuck up. Smack. Boom. Shut up. Uh, yeah, we broke up a day later. Yeah, we're back together. We love each other again. Well, you don't know what love is. You don't know what communication is then. Drives me fucking nuts. I hate it. If you break up and then continue to argue, well, you're doing it wrong. Cool. I've got five minutes left. Um, I'm going to pick one here that uh, covers about five minutes. Okay, cool. This is the most 2019 thing that I can even imagine. Taylor tried showing me a video on uh, YouTube yesterday, and my YouTube looks vastly different from hers. Hers is all like mainstream rap as far as the music goes, or pop, and then like videos that's like makeup tutorials and how to dye hair this way and, you know, how to dye your pubes green or whatever. You know, she's got like all this girly stuff going on, and she follows like hairdressers and whatnot. Mine is like, uh, podcasts, uh, muscle stuff, uh, video games, weed, you know, what I, I have like this variety of stuff that's all like unique to me. And, uh, so she tried showing me a video of a gay hairdresser man doing a reaction video, which you know how I feel about those, doing a reaction video to a transsexual man, woman, lady boy dyeing her hair, his hair, and it going wrong. It is the most 2019 thing that you can fucking imagine. First of all, reaction videos. What are they? It is where one content creator, and I use that term loosely, 
because it's not original, one content creator will watch another person's content and then react to it, usually exaggeratingly so, because that means more views. Uh, if you do reaction videos, you suck as a content creator. You're not original. That's just a fact. You're not making your own stuff. You're playing someone else's video, and you're just sort of commentating or reacting to it. That's what a reaction video is. Now that we've laid the ground for that, the outline, uh, it was a gay hairdresser. Very, very gay. He was covered in makeup. He had all sorts of like eyeliner and earrings and like bright yellow hair, and he talked like this. And he was like, today, we're going to see what this beautiful lady did to her hair. She, she fried it. And, and then played a video of this dude with a penis who thinks he's a girl because he's mentally ill. Yes, it's a mental illness. No, I'm not going to be open-minded because you have to draw a line. If you open your mind too much, your brain will fall out. And I think that's what's happened to a lot of people. You're not a bigot if you see things factually and biologically the way they are. You're a retard if you think that this man who thinks he's a woman with his penis and hairy balls is a woman, you're retarded. That, that's all there is to it. And I know that's a left versus right issue, and I take the right side on this all day. There are two genders. We've been over this. So anyway, in this video, this guy who identifies, quote-unquote, as a female, uh, dyed his slash her hair I refuse to be politically correct, so we'll say him. He dyed his long hair, put on makeup and all this other stuff. And the gay guy is like, she's such a beautiful woman. Why did she fry her hair like this? You never do this. You never. I'm a hairdresser. I know you never use that shade of yellow in your hair. It will dry your hair out. It will fry it. And I was like, God damn. This is so 2019. A dude who has sucked more dick than all of my girlfriends combined... Rest in peace, Ben. Sad, you know, F in the chat. Uh, It sucks to be me. But this guy has sucked more dick than all the girls that I've been with combined. And he is going, she's such a beautiful woman. And I see a dude on screen with a wig or fucking fried blonde hair. I don't know if it was his own hair or what. And he's covered in makeup. And it has like 2 million views. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with this world? Metallica live, in concert, good audio quality, you name it, 5,000 views. Gay hairdresser reacting to dude with a penis who thinks he's a girl dyeing his hair yellow, 5 million views. What is wrong with that picture? I just cannot wait for a giant asteroid to just come take us all out because we have it coming. Rapists, murderers, animal abusers, gay people reacting to trannies dyeing their hair Uh, we just have it coming like we as a race have failed if you've ever seen that chart where it shows monkeys or apes and then it sort of stands up a little higher in the next form and then it eventually becomes a lower hominid slash hybrid homo sapien and then it eventually becomes a human it's supposed to show the the theory of evolution as far as uh, bipedal primates and humans go right Uh, I saw a meme where there's It gets to the point where the guy starts to hunch back over again at the end, and then all of a sudden he's wearing makeup and he has a penis, and he's like, I'm a beautiful woman, YOLO swag. And then the next guy is like, go back, we fucked up. That's how I see this world. Like, we we, we fucked up. I think somewhere around, like, 2001, things just went downhill, and it's like a snowball effect. Pretty soon we're going to have a non-binary, gender-fluid, foxkin, 
as a president and he's going to be like everybody can do whatever they want because we are progressive and we accept things the way they are you want to shoot somebody go for it that's your right hashtag my body my choice i want to shoot you i don't know people are fucking retarded anyway that's one hour i fulfilled my duty um this has been volume 39 and i fucking know that this time because i checked i paid attention i hope that you have enjoyed i think it went pretty smoothly I, I wouldn't say I'm getting more comfortable podcasting because I've always been comfortable. Like, I'm not nervous in public speaking. Certainly not when I'm sitting alone by myself and into a microphone. But I feel like I'm just getting more efficient with my words. There's less ums. There's less ahs. There's, uh, I'm getting better with the cadence, the timing, you know. And I attribute that, obviously, to 40-plus hours of doing it, which is a long time to sit and talk by yourself without gaps, but also because I watch how the pros do it. The names that I mentioned earlier, the aforementioned uh, Tom, Theo, Chris, Bill, Joe, they're, they're very good at it. And um, like Dr. Phil said, it's more so quality over quantity when it comes to podcasting. He said that if you are truly a fan of, of psychology or human experiences or the human mind, or if you're truly a fan of that, then you could really be entertained by listening to anybody do a podcast because there's endless stories, there are endless different points of view and perspectives and, you know, senses of humor. And so, and I agree. Like, I think if you are even remotely interesting, then you could do at least one good podcast if you put your notes together properly. And uh, I'm with Dr. Phil on that. You don't have to be a Tom Segura or a Bill Burr or a Joe Rogan even though he relies mostly on good guests. You don't have to be one of those guys to put out a quality podcast. You just have to be semi-literate, which I know is asking a lot, competence these days. Anyway, um, yeah, volume 39, I will see you at the big four zero. I'm excited for that one. Take care.